One of my desires as a pastor is that each and every one of us would walk in God's power and plan for your life right now. God doesn't live in time and space. God is eternal. Everything in God's world is now. He doesn't have yesterday. He doesn't have tomorrow. He only has now. He sees everything. He's the beginning and the end. What does that look like in our life? This is the Now Principle with Pastor Chris Gleason, lead pastor of Revolution, a four-square church that meets in Harvard Square, Cambridge, Mass. Join us today as we step into the Now Principle with Pastor Chris, where we ask the question, what will you let God do right now? Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and then just walked away and go, okay, wait, what do I look like? I, 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 man, I can't remember. Do I have blue eyes or do I have brown eyes? You know, do I have blonde hair or do I, you know, of course not. And he says, that's what the person is like who hears the word of God, but doesn't do it. It says, it's as crazy as someone who looks at themselves in the mirror and then walks away and goes, what did I look like? And yet so many times we hear what the word of God says, but we don't do it. I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody. Why? See, when we're striving to walk as those who have submitted our wills to our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, says we're engaging the Spirit through prayer and fasting, then it's time that we walk out into the street to see people set free. That's the purpose. That's why our spirit needs to get stronger. That's why we submit ourselves to God's heart and His will. Not just so that we'll feel better about ourselves and our life will be cool, It's like, I'm going to heaven. Sorry, dude. No, it says that we would then become the ambassadors of grace. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus is in the synagogue. And it says, they hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what we're called to. That's what you and I, it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. You go, man, I don't feel like it. It's true. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, it says the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He calls us to go out into the world, to share the good news. 
Could you imagine, would there be anything greater than somebody who their entire life has been blind being able to give them sight? Somebody who has been in captivity, been in prison their entire life and be able to free them? That's what we're called to do. Is that not a cool job? Is that not an amazing job? I mean, is that not something that should get us excited? Because that's one thing when somebody is physically imprisoned or physically blind, but when they're spiritually blind, when they're spiritually deaf, when they're spiritually in bondage, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about the way it affects every day of every life. I have friends who are blind but know Jesus, and you know what? They're okay. Because they can see the things that matter. I know people who are in prison, but they know Jesus, and they're okay. Because they're no longer in bondage to sin. They're no longer in bondage to the things that have kept them down. Jesus, man, Jesus, he, he, like, he would like throw out the uh, gauntlet to people. In Matthew chapter 5, this is probably one of my most unfavorite Parts of scripture, because it's so difficult. In verse 38 of chapter 5, Jesus says this, You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. I get that. You hurt me, I hurt you. Say, and that's the way it went. If you took out somebody's eye, they got to take out your eye. You hurt me, I get to hurt you. Now that makes sense. You betray me, I get to betray you. But then Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your, enemy and, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. How many of you go, yeah, got that one covered. I've been doing that. What's next? That is so hard. But that's what we're called to do. This is where it gets real, folks. So what if you're spending time with Jesus? If something doesn't shift in the way that you actually live your life, then maybe we got to step back a little bit and go, "What's, what's wrong? How come... I'm not loving people that I didn't used to love. How come I'm not treating people different than everyone else? And John says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This is it. This is it. It's easy to stand in our ivory towers and tell everyone else what they should do. 
As they say, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks are, are really good. They can tell a man, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? But when you're not in the game, everything's easy. But when you're in the game, the things you do actually matter. And let me tell you, God wants us in the game. He wants you in the battle. He wants you loving people. You can't love people from afar. If you're not rubbing shoulders with people, then you're not loving people. Because love will cost you. I mean, that's what he says. You want to know what love is? This is it. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And guess what? We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Who's our brother? Well, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan and says, anybody, everybody. See, if we're reading the word of God and we're not being compelled to love people more, to become more generous in every area of our life, then maybe we're not really hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the heart of God. Again, we're praying and fasting. That's wonderful. We're seeing things happen in our life. That's wonderful. But if it's not somewhere shifting our heart towards people who are out there, who are in the battle and being beat up day after day, we got to start over. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Take a firm stand against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. This is where it gets real. If, it, if we can't take it out of our prayer closet into the marketplace, it's not the real deal. It's not the real deal. The church all around the world is making an impact and they're paying for it. Many places around the world, people are dying every day because they're Christian. I don't know if you heard, but just recently there was a pastor in Iran. He was arrested for being a pastor, not because he wouldn't recant his Christianity. They said they wouldn't put him to death. We, we can't even comprehend that because of the freedoms that we have here. But let me tell you what, their faith is strong. You go to in a place where the church is persecuted for being the church, they're strong. It says, be careful, watch out for the devil, because he's, he's coming around trying to take you out. In this place, he doesn't try to take you out with a sniper rifle. He tries to take us out with rationalism, selfishness, hedonism. He tries to take us out with secularism and humanism, relative truth. He tries to take us out with the things that work in this world and says, watch out for him. We used to have this cat. I was just thinking about this. This cat was crazy. It was, it was a white cat. His name was Puff. And, and this cat was just, cats are kind of crazy anyway, you know. And, and this, this cat was, I mean, he, he didn't like people. I mean, he wasn't a cat that would just like roll up on your lap and sit there. I mean, forget about it. He'd sit under the couch when you walked by barefooted, he'd snap you with his claws. But this cat 
used to go, we, we said, where we lived, we had these open fields across the street. And we had these big uh, tumbleweeds. It was before they actually turned brown, and so it's green. And again, this cat's long hair, white cat, pure white cat. He would go and get in the middle of one of these tumbleweeds. I mean, you know, stands out like a sore thumb. But he would sit there for hours. And after a while, I guess the birds just started thinking, this is just a crazy looking tumbleweed. It's got a big white thing sitting in the middle of it. And so the birds would start getting close. And he would wait. And when they got a little bit quiet, he'd pounce on them. He'd get, you know, I'm going, that's crazy. But see, that's the way that Satan works. And that's when it says, he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't come at you and smack you in the face. Because they always go, oh, yeah, oh, I'm not going down that road. No, no, he subtly comes in the back door. The places that we're not looking, the places where we're not watching, the places where we're not being alert. Matthew 5, 16, I love this verse. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, we live in a culture here where, where social justice is a big word. I'm not a big fan of social justice. I'm a big fan of godly justice. See, because what the difference is, is thinking that if we could just do enough good things, the world would be a better place. It won't be. It will not be. The only hope that we have is that people would turn their heart to Jesus, that their perspective will be changed. Because naturally, we're all selfish. And so when we're selfish... We're even doing nice things for selfish reasons. The only thing that can change that is if God changes our heart. And that's why we got to spend time praying, fasting, seeking God. That he would change my heart, that I would be not so focused on myself, that I could be focused on others with the right heart. So that when I go to do something, it's not to make myself feel better. It's not to pacify my guilt. It's not somehow to get accolades or get pats on the back. It's that people would know Jesus loves them. Because at the end of the day, that's the thing that matters. And if they don't ever see it, why should they believe it? It's like someone says, if I'm hungry, give me something to eat. And guess what? I'll hear a lot better whatever you have to say. But it's not that somehow there's this social utopia that we can create. Man has tried that a lot and it fails because it's based on man. I have some great ideas, but guess what? Somewhere they'll fall apart if they're just my ideas. God has to change our heart so that he can change our thinking, so he can change our perspective, so that the actions that we have come out of that sacrificial love that I don't have to get anything from you. I'm just going to love you and let you know Jesus loves you. That's it. Whatever God does with that, praise God. There is a reason that the vast majority of times when you see people go into any tragedy... The first ones there and the last ones there are the church. Most countries, the people that came in to start the schools, to start the hospitals, to start the clinics, were Christians. Now, I'm not saying they always did everything right, but I'm telling you that there's something in the heart of God that says, yes, we, we serve people, we love people. And if our faith is not taking us there, we're missing it. We're missing it. One of the things, some of you have seen these, some of you have probably not even seen them, but we have these little cards that say, you know, tag your loved. The whole idea of them is this, that we would love people in ways that they don't expect to be loved. It can be as simple as paying for someone's coffee or paying for their fast food or, or helping somebody change a tire. 
serving someone in some way that's unexpected. And when they say, hey, how can I thank you? Hey, you, no, you don't need to thank me at all. I just, want, I just want you to know that you're loved. God loves you. Maybe pass it on. What has God been stirring in your hearts when you're praying, when you're seeking Him? What does it look like in our world to look after the widows and orphans in their distress? What does that mean? What are those things stirring in you? What are the dreams that God has put within your heart that we need to see walked out, that lives will be touched? This Friday, I'm I'm excited. We're going to do something that, uh, to my knowledge, that the church here has never done, but it's going to really challenge us. Because it's going to really put us and engage us in the battle in the marketplace. My sister and brother-in-law are missionaries in Spain. They've been there for 22 years. And for the last, I don't know, probably 12 or 13 years, something like that, um, my brother-in-law has been a street evangelist. and, And he has gone out into this place called the Puerta del Sol. It's in the center of Madrid. And there are about 200,000 people a day that go through this plaza. And, and they've been there, you know, they got these red boxes. They stand on the red boxes, they give these five-minute messages, and they talk to people about Jesus. He's been training people for all of these years, and they've now got teams all over the world that are doing this. And God is touching people. He's touching people. Right now, I think they, seven days a week, they have people that are out there that are preaching. Spain is one of the hardest places I've ever been. I, I've been there twice. It is one of the hardest nations I've ever been in. But God is doing something. They served there faithfully for 10, 12 years and saw almost no fruit. God began to put this on their heart and they began to see fruit that's been unbelievable. And they're going to be here this week. And, and so I talked to Jake and I said, Hey, Jake, when you come, man, how'd you like to uh, go out into uh, Harvard Square? He said, Okay. So I want to encourage you, invite you, even challenge you to come with us on Friday night. I don't know what's going to happen. My brother-in-law, you meet him, he's hilarious. He, he's actually he's very gifted at what he does. There's not many people in the world that can actually do what he does, and he does it well. We're not all going to, I'm not going to ask you to stand on a box and preach, but Jake's going to give us, a, he's going to spend a little time with us just sharing, like, how do you talk to people? Because the big thing that they have is people just, when they gather... They just talk to people and say, you know, what did you think about what that guy said? And just engage them in conversation and see what the Lord will do with that. I don't know what will happen. I mean, I've seen some other street preachers out there before, but you know what? I believe it's a time where God wants to do some things. And I think for most of us, that that challenges me. That's not a place I'm comfortable. So don't just think because I'm the pastor. Oh, yeah, no, that's uncomfortable for me. But you know what? There's people around here, they need to know Jesus. God wants to set them free. He wants to see them walk in freedom. So I want to invite you to come this Friday. The information's in the bulletin. We're going to meet at 7 o'clock over at the church offices. Have Jake just share a few things with us. And then we're going to go over there, see what God does. But what has God put in your heart? As you're praying, and as you're praying this week, I want you to ask specifically, God, what does it look like in my life, in this place, for me to look after the widows and orphans in their distress, for me to love the world that's around me? What does that look like? I believe God has specific things that he's called us to. 
Are you ready to engage in the battle? You know, we're going to have communion here in just a few moments. But last week we had a card that we filled out that said that we were believing God for breakthroughs for ourselves, our family, and our friends. This week we're going to give you a card. It has the same verse out of Isaiah 58, verse 6. It says, Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? This is God speaking. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. This week we're going to believe God to see breakthrough in our church, in our city, and in our nation. I mean, what does God want to bust loose in this place? What does God want to bust loose through us? And who's to say it can't start Friday night at Harvard Square? Why not? Why not? There are gifts sitting in this room that God desperately wants to see unleashed in this place. Not in this place, in this place. It's great if they're unleashed here, but let me tell you what, this is where it starts, not where it ends. Jesus spent most of his time, not in the synagogue, but in the marketplace. Most of the people that he ministered to were the common people out in the streets. I remember when I was my undergrad, I had this history teacher, he used to always talk about T.C. Mitts. And I was like, T.C. Mitts? It was the common man in the streets. So God spent most of his time ministering to T.C. Mitts. And that's who he calls us to. The common man, the common woman in the street. The people like you and me that are walking around out there. As we come to have communion, I want us to think about what it means. You know, we spent this week believing for breakthrough in our lives, our family, our friends. That is ultimately what communion is about. That Jesus broke through. He took a stronghold down called sin that none of us had the ability to deal with. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't do enough good things. Somewhere we would always fall short. There was a wall so high we couldn't get over it. And ultimately communion Remembering Christ's death and his resurrection is about seeing the ultimate stronghold broken in our lives. Acknowledging that we fall short. Now, I don't know about you, but that was a hard thing for me for a lot of my life. Still can be sometimes to admit that I need to know anything or I need anything or I need anyone. But until we come to a place to realize We can't do it alone. We can't be good enough. We can't give enough away. We can't do enough justice. The only thing we can do is to come to the end of ourselves and to realize Christ broke that stronghold of sin that it no longer will hold us. So we're going to pass out the elements And I want you to spend some time praying. Maybe just even reflecting, Lord, what does that mean? 
Maybe even in this moment, Lord, what does that mean for me, God? You broke this stronghold in me. If you're visiting with us today and you've asked Christ in your life, please have communion with us. But what does that mean? From this moment, may it not just be another time of us having communion going, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. But may something shift where we go, no. Lord, you broke the bondage of sin in my life. I can walk in freedom because of what you've done. And now I'm called, I'm compelled, I'm asked to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Go ahead, let's pass them out. And in a moment, we'll have communion together. You've been listening to The Now Principle with Pastor Chris Gleason, the radio ministry of Revolution Church, where we are committed to being grounded in His Word and empowered by His Spirit. We invite you to visit us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. We meet at Leslie University's Brattle Campus in the Washburn Lounge, located at 10 Phillips Place, Cambridge, Mass. If you would like prayer or more information, call 617-441-0777 or visit hearlistenobey.com. This is a listener-supported program, And if you would like to partner with us, we invite you to go to hearlistenobey.com as we stand for God's Word and God's Spirit in Harvard Square.